Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Nextra Presents. We're delighted to have Joel Beetson on today's podcast. Joel is the Executive Director of Landscape Alberta and Landscape Saskatchewan. When we started the podcast, it was always our desire to hear from landscapers across the country. Last year, we spoke with Jim Landry from Landscape New Brunswick and PEI, and today we're heading west. Joel shares his industry experience and talks about what's happening in their associations, as well as the landscape industry in the West in general. So grab your Stetson and saddle up. Here's Grant's conversation with Joel Beetson. Welcome back everyone to Nextra Presents. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Joel Beeson of Landscape Alberta and Landscape Saskatchewan. So Joel, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So Joel, just kind of want to uh, start out uh, just to get to know you a little bit better personally. Uh, so let us know how you got involved with the Landscape Association before we kind of jump into your current role. Sure. Um, if you want to go way back, my first job was laying sod for my uncle's landscape company here in Edmonton, probably eight or nine, um, you know, cash under the table uh, type of landscaping job. Uh, it was great. And, but I never thought I would, would be involved in the industry. And then, you know, cue to, to 20 years later ish. And I interviewed for a position at flowers Canada, which used to be based in the landscape Ontario building uh, in Milton. Um, and so I worked there for almost three years um, and then and worked with our national association, the CNLA, and then um, worked there for worked at Flower Scanner for three years. And then uh, they finally recruited me away um, and I moved over to CNLA where I was for 11 and a half years. Okay. What did you do at Flowers Canada? I was their marketing and communications person. Okay. And so that just came out of. You know, it, it was nothing to do with horticulture. Um, like I had no background really in horticulture. My background was in marketing and, and communications. But after university, I had actually worked uh, at Big Brothers Big Sisters in Windsor, Essex County in Ontario um, and really liked that nonprofit style and got sort of my fingers into a whole lot of pies there and was like, this is really interesting. The contract ended. I moved on to a private software company for about a year uh, and then saw a job at Flowers Canada, thought that'll be, that could be interesting. And, and off I went. Um, and then uh, this year marks this September coming up. It will be my 20th year working for horticulture associations okay. in Canada. So Flowers Canada, then CNLA, and then Landscape Alberta for the last coming up on seven years. And then the funny story, Grant, I don't, I don't, I've told this a lot, but um, for your listeners and, and maybe for you is the person I replaced, Nigel Bowles, here at Landscape Alberta, um, was executive director for, I think, 23 years before me. And my uncle, uh, the one I laid sod for originally at eight or nine years old, uh, was on the Landscape Alberta board that hired Nigel okay. 23 years earlier. And that's my mom's, uh, it's my mom's twin brother. Um, so it's just one small world. <laughs> and then, um, so CNLA, what did you do for CNLA? Uh, a little bit of everything. Um, I started uh, doing the certification program, uh, which is the thing where we met very originally, mm-hmm. uh, and member benefits. Um, and that grew into sort of all things human resources, insurance, um, certification, professional development, all of that kind of stuff was where I, where I did everything. But spending so long there, 
you know, when I was hired at CNLA, it was, I believe I was the fifth employee. Um, and we, you know, when I left, I think there was 14 or 15. So we had a lot of girls. We had, yeah. So, and my role had sort of grown with it as a, as the program had grown. Mm-hmm. And what was, what have been your last role there when you then transitioned to uh, West? It was um, uh, all things human resources, which was the number one issue for, for the industry. Right. Um, and that included the practical side of, you know, all professional development training certification, um, but also really got into that government relations side uh, of things, mm-hmm. um, which has served me well in the, the role here at Landscape Alberta and, that we've, you know, that you have to do a little bit of everything, right? Yeah. Okay. It's hard to believe it's been seven years since you've been out in your new role. Well, it's not a new role, but it, since you've been in that role. Yeah, it, it, it does come around very fast. So I have my, my, you know, my son was born only a couple months after we got here to Alberta. So like, it's easy to time it because you know how old he is. And, uh, you know, he turned seven this October. So that's. It's good. It's good. That's, the, that's where it comes around. Yeah. And then what, um, what made you apply for this job that you currently have then? You know, it was a, it, I think there was a good fit. It's a, it was a solid organization. There'd been a couple of other opportunities, let's say, um, elsewhere in the country, but they weren't as stable an organization. I thought coming into a stable place was a chance to, to then grow it. Um, if you're coming into chaos, it's a lot hard. It's sometimes harder to to really succeed. So uh, it was a good fit. And uh, as I said, I, I was born in Toronto, but uh, spent sort of age four to age 12. I lived here uh, in the Edmonton area. So it was an interesting way to, to come back to the, to my roots. Um, and my youngest brother li- was living in Calgary. And then since we've moved out here, my, my almost my entire, <laughs> my entire immediate family um, has moved here. My parents are 300 meters down the road from us, bought a place. Um, and uh, my middle brother uh, lives downtown Edmonton. And my 92-year-old grandmother lives like 500 meters past where my parents are. Well, that's excellent. I didn't know yeah. that. That's so great. Everybody, yeah. I, we went from being all alone to yeah. can't get away from anybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's a good problem to have. Well, for some but, people would say that, but... Uh, it's It's fabulous for my boys to be close to my grand, uh, you know, my parents and, mm-hmm. and having that help is a, is huge. So yeah. especially during this past year, right. To have that support. Yeah. Although it's been funny is there's been times where we just, even though they're so close, we are not even allowed to see them depending on lockdown status. And, and so it's tough. It makes it even tougher in a way. It's yeah. It's if you're separated by a country, it's or half a country, it's easier to go, Oh, can't get on a plane. It's okay. Yeah. But when you, when you can't walk down the street, mm-hmm. it's, uh, so the, the nice weather, the wet spring coming on fast is nice because at least they can just be outside at the park with my parents and they have the visits, but be able, but be distanced and yeah, and everything else. Okay. So when you started at Landscape Alberta, was Landscape a, a Saskatchewan at the same time or are those merged since you've been together? You, oh no, cool. they they were yeah they were uh, they're always interrelated. Um, it kind of runs almost as a chapter of landscape Alberta. Um, those, you know, it's the, the accounting side is merged, um, but it runs as a separate brand, a separate uh, board, uh, that kind of thing. So, but it's a relatively small association. So it's the, it just makes sense to, uh, to combine that administration. Okay. 
So tell us about Landscape Alberta. How big is the association? Like, obviously, it's a big territory, um, probably for the size of the members. But, uh, yeah, kind of give us a little bit more about Alberta and then give us the same type of lowdown on Saskatchewan members. Sure. Um, Alberta is about 300 members. You know, it, it rises and falls, um, give it on the day. Um, but most of our members are in the Edmonton, Calgary, Red Deer, Lethbridge area. Um, there are, you know, four or five big centers. And that's where most of the members reside. Um, so it makes service pretty reliably easy. Um, Saskatchewan's about 40 members. And the association there has always been sort of centrally located around Saskatoon. So we've been doing a lot of work. Um, and I think you'd come a grant to Regina a couple of years ago um, to try to grow that Regina um, side of it because they're about equal size cities, Saskatoon and Regina. So you want uh, much like Calgary and Edmonton. So we'd love to have a, a more balanced membership between the two. So we can uh, alternate events back and forth more easily, that kind of thing. But it's, uh, and that's what we do a lot here is, is move the events back and forth between Edmonton and Calgary or, or do one at Edmonton, one in Calgary um, on back-to-back days. It's only about a, you know, for anybody listening, it's um, both Edmonton and Calgary are just around the million mark, 1.1, 1.2 million uh, people. And it's about a three hour drive. Uh, okay. It's straight. It's a, a pretty straight shot highway um, between the two. And what about the two cities in Saskatchewan? And what's the distance between those two? They're three or four hours as well. I've never done I've never done the drive between Saskatoon and uh, and Regina. It's a little. It's not a, not quite as as easy a drive. We've got a like a big highway that runs that connects the two. Yeah. It's actually the path they want to. There's been a lot of talk here recently about um, Elon Musk uh, and his his uh, Hyperloop technology concept of doing like an enclosed monorail pod system that would transport people really fast. And Alberta wants to be one of like between Edmonton and Calgary. And it would like cut the commute to 30 or 40 minutes between from three hours. So I don't know what the cost would be. I don't know what the cost would be, but (laughs) we'll, uh, we'll leave that aside, but it'd be very interesting. um, You know, because even though it's three hours, I just, I, I, I almost always, I've always driven it um, and do it pretty often pre COVID because by the time you drive to the airport, get on a plane, fly the 40 minutes to between takeoff and landing, it's a 40 minute hop, but you, and then the airports are both so far outside of the cities that you would still have, you still got a half an hour either side of it mm-hmm. um, and driving. I'm like, there's no point. Yeah. By the time I get to the airport, I'm already half half an hour into the drive, and then I'm I'm off to the races. So you just end up driving it a lot. Mm-hmm. So pre-COVID, I guess, yeah. what typical events were you, would you be holding for the landscape association out there? Sure, we we uh, we operate the Green Industry Show and Conference, which is largest um, trade show and conference in Western Canada. A couple thousand people over two days every November, always the third week of November. Um, so we're, we think we do a, a heck of a job doing that. Um, and then um, we have a smattering of other events. There's a thing we usually do a, a program, which we brought back two years ago and then uh, has been canceled twice now, <laughs> is uh, our meeting in the mountains. Um, and we try to do a uh, leadership style retreat 
um, somewhere in the mountains, usually Banff, Canmore, Kananaskis, uh, something like that. Uh, Landscape Saskatchewan does a, a spring symposium um, and then sort of events as needed. We, we've done equipment days and, and uh, crew leader training and tree pruning training and all of those kind of, uh, you know, typical uh, landscape sector workshops. Okay. And post COVID, what do you have planned? What did you kind of guys do in the last 12? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> other, than, uh, other than just survive. Yeah. Um, a lot of wait and see, um, you know, so much of it is going to be determined by what the health authorities, the public health rules end up being right. Um, so luckily last year, because I said our big event is in November, um, we had a lot of lead time to plan. So we sort of, we waited and, and saw last year. Um, and then by June or so, June, end of June, we, we made the call to, to go virtual. Um, I think we had a, a pretty excellent virtual event uh, in November and, and, and did our thing. But it's not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, exhibitors don't like it as much. Attendees don't like it as much. <laughs> um, although they, they saw the benefits is that we did on demand. So people that missed it live could come back and rewatch anything that, that happened. And, um, and we really pushed that and, and there was lots of interaction. And, and I think the, the educational side, I think was, was better received than the exhibitor side, but we're, you know, with vaccinations rolling out currently, we kind of, we're, we're kind of hopeful that there'll be, they might allow us to do something by November. Okay. Um, but we kind of have to guess we're, we're waiting until June-ish again to see if we have a, if we're on schedule for vaccinations maybe, and then we'll, we might have a chance to do something. Okay. And it might, it might be limited to, we can only have 500 people at the trade show or something like that. Right. And then we go, that's great. Um, Overall, we had, you know, I think most of last year, our virtual events were really well attended. Like our, our, the big trade show and conference um, was 90% of normal attendance. That's incredible. Which is great. Well, and when we, when we could benchmark that to the other associations across the country and across North America, it's actually exceptional. Mm Mm-hmm. That's like it's a it's a really good thing um so why do you think that is joel why do you think the high uptake of it i think maybe we were underserved a little in terms of virtual options like there's other places that maybe had um big pull in but if you listen let's tell you grant is that if you listen to the like the software developers that develop these virtual platforms they were like you're gonna have two three times the number of attendees as normal and what we saw was this, we're like, they kind, it's about the same. It's maybe a little, there's some different people yeah. that come um, and some people that just hate virtual. And But we also had, you know, our friends at the Cultivate in the States, they they went so early, at, you know, beginning of July there okay. into the pandemic is people were like, I don't want to do virtual. I'm not going to do virtual. But by November, we, people had sort of resigned to the fact of like, this is the only way it's going to happen for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's, we might as well get involved and, and do something. We also did it. We did crazy pricing, um, like really cheap or so affordable. Cheap is probably not the best word, yeah. right? Um, but so affordable that people just couldn't deny the value. Yeah. Like yeah. it was $50 for 34 hours of educational content. Mm-hmm. Like and it was a great event. Like I, I had logged on to a bunch of them as well. And you guys do awesome. Like the in trade show obviously is never going to replace that, but the virtual yeah. one you guys did a good job at. So I was really impressed with that. So 
Yeah, and we had we had a really big supplier to the industry a couple of weeks ago. I hosted a coffee chat with exhibitors just to get feedback, tell them where our heads were, tell them what the you know, and a lot of our exhibitors are from Alberta, but a lot are not. Um, so uh, make sure they understood what what the rules were here, what they were what they were looking like, and one of these big like across North America suppliers, I won't name them, uh, but they said they did a dozen virtual shows uh in 2020 and they liked ours the best what's good i was like that's uh that's a huge that, you know you can't you pretty much you can't get much better than that and so yeah. i you know our team here is i know we're, we're pretty small five staff but we um including myself but i think we do pretty amazing stuff for for limited resources right yeah so well, we keep, awesome. but, we're, but we're nimble too we don't have we don't have big we don't have a big boat to to turn mm-hmm we're a little boat, but we can, we can go fast. Yeah. Well, that's great. So kind of give us an update on kind of where the industry is at in Alberta and Saskatchewan right now. We're recording this in spring of 2021. Um, You know, kind of are guys busy? Um, What are some of their pain points? What does it look like? What are you seeing? You know, we, we're, we're looking like an early spring here in the prairies, which is good. Last year was actually a really late spring. Um, going into 2020, which I think we were, as a whole, as an industry, pretty thankful for, because we were able to make sure we had an essential status, um, so nobody ever really got closed down. There was a couple of little blips, but we got those sorted. Um, we were able to do a lot of advocacy and work on training and, and rules and how to deal with the pandemic, um, and then everyone had a, you know, generally had a really fabulous season. But they didn't even, you know, BC and Ontario and those and, uh, you know, other places, our friends in the US, uh, you know, they got sort of, there was blips where they got shut down for a couple of weeks early in the pandemic. We did, we weren't even running it. So we were able to like adapt and then everyone was able to open their doors and, and hit the ground running, which was, yeah. which was fabulous. So this year it's looking early. Um, you know, it's a funny thing is, you know, people are having had a really good light year last year generally. Um, it's looking like another great year this year, um, for a lot of the same reasons everywhere we're seeing, but we're also balancing that with the economy, uh, because it's so energy focused, uh, here in Alberta, especially, but also in Saskatchewan is, is depressing it a little, um, especially when it comes to commercial, new commercial, uh, starts, new development starts, um, those kind of things are slow. Um, but residential, if you, if you're working in residential work. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So how does the energy play into that? Like, is it just oil prices or, or what, what influences that for you guys? Yeah. I mean, obviously oil prices, and but a lot of that just derives development of everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a trend we're starting to see too, is that a lot, of, a lot of these downtown offices, a lot of people that were spending money on commercial maintenance, if their offices are shut down and they're all work from home, they're going to a pretty limited... Landscape budget, landscape budget, or, or maintenance budget, um, and we even saw it maybe in the snow is where people are like, like our parking lots for employees only, and there's no employees here. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't need to have it cleared to the same degree. Like just clear the the first twenty spots. Don't, don't worry about the rest yeah. uh, this year. So we'll see that. But it's you know the the one interesting thing when it, when the energy sector's hot here, and hiring people becomes a real problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you get people that work up in the, you know, when the oil, when the, you know, 10 years ago, 
Um, you know, people were clearing eighty or a hundred thousand dollars a year to push a broom in the oil sands. Yeah, like not even a skilled worker. Yeah, you could like eighteen years old, right out of high school, you could clear eighty k, hundred k, no problem. Yeah, so hard the to compete. Paper can compete against that, right? Very hard, right? Um, so uh, that's helped. Uh, so I think overall, people, you know, but people still struggle. Serb last year, the the government programs made it difficult, but people are looking. It's looking strong this year. We're doing a lot of work around uh, the the farm workers coming in right now. I think there's a, there's a big charter flight coming in this Friday, trying to figure out get everybody going on that, and and we'll hopefully have a good season. Good, awesome. Um, how was your how was the winter the winter season for you guys? Oh, you know it's the uh, it's 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 a funny a funny thing grant is we had a real cold snap this year um which was miserable and um and i mentioned my young kids you know where they where they won't even let them out of out at recess at school um too cold to go to the park too cold to go anywhere so uh that's challenging but we had a pretty light snowfall season so that'll you know that anybody that was paid per push kind of contracts was probably hurting a little Mm -hmm. uh this year Plus all of those other things is people reducing their budgets, people going to multi-year contracts, uh, but not a lot of snow cover either, which you always worry about that is from a plant perspective. It's always good to, when you get those really cold temperatures into the, you know, 40 below Celsius, you kind of want a few feet of snow uh, on top of it all to, to, to protect everything nicely. Right. But the good side of it is it, it does help when we have light snow cover, and a good cold snap is it helps things like the mount, mountain pine beetle. Um, hopefully that'll uh, reduce some of the population. It's okay. been pretty devastating to the forestry sector around here. Um, you know, any of those other pests might actually get, they won't, it won't kill them a hundred percent, but it might just knock the populations way, way down. Mm-hmm. And then you might see some, a couple seasons of, you know, lower numbers, which is, we can so be thankful for that. Yeah. We, hey, you got to find the silver lining, right? Yep. Um, so when you say a, a, like a cold snap, a short cold snap, what is the short cold snap for you guys? <laughs> is that cold? Under a week. Under a week is is a is a like a probably a short one. But I think this this year, I, I'm trying to think how long it was, but it was 13 or 14 straight days below 30 below Celsius. Okay, that's cool. Um, which was like the longest in 80 or 90 years. But then that was kind of it, though. Like it was war- it was war- above average. Yeah, look, overall it was it was okay, but just not a lot of snow. Okay. And you, there's a funny thing out here on the prairies where it gets too cold to snow, mm-hmm. um, and so you you miss that. But it's uh, and I'll tell you one thing I missed this year was no COVID, no tra- like with COVID around and no travel. Um, you know, because usually we're doing lots of meetings in the winter, we're doing all of these things. I'm on the road a lot. Is out here in the prairies is if it's not snowing the sun is out and okay. it's brilliantly sunny, like just crystal blue, clear skies. And it, we're, and we're in big sky country, right? Like it's, yeah. it's just amazing. And so I get out on the highway and you just get, even if it's 20 below outside, sitting in my car, cruising down the highway with the sun out, if yeah. I feel great. Yeah. Like I just, I'm like, I, can, I don't even know how I did Ontario for so long with yeah. the, all the gray skies. This is, <laughs> this is what it, I can deal with colder yeah, because I could I see the sun, mm-hmm. but then 
you know, by the time you're, the sun's up is, you know, the sun's just coming up as you get to the work and then it's going down by the time you're leaving home. So if you're, if you're stuck in the office all day, I'm not on the road. I don't see the sun. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, I missed, I missed that, that bright blue sky. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Cause it's better than the gloomy weather here in Ontario that we get so often. Right. It's just like that, you know, the rain, freezing rain, it just sits, sits around zero for so long. Just doesn't decide. Right. You get a, a good snowfall and then it rains two days later and you're like emotionally just draining. So. Yeah. No, my wife who's who had lived in Ontario her whole life until we moved out here was like, no, the sun makes a difference to your mood. You know, people go, well, I can't deal with the cold. And I'm like, well, our, you know, our humidity is way lower. Um, but we also, so it's not damp, it's mm-hmm. cold. But if you, if you bundle up, uh, you can keep pretty warm, but it's the, the seeing that sun does make a big difference out here. Mm-hmm. Although so, if you're doing snow removal, you're doing it all in the middle of the night. So it doesn't, uh, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter anyway, <laughs> so what's kind of your prediction for the landscape industry in Alberta and Saskatchewan for this coming year? I think it'll be another uh, incredibly solid uh, year. Uh, what I'm starting to see on the horizon though, is a lot of material shortages, okay. which is it's generally our, you know, our constraint has been the, the economy as a whole or labor have been the constraints to growth in the industry, right? And how much work you can get done. Um, but we're, we're, we're here in plant shortages, landscape fabric, concrete products, uh, everything like you name the equipment people can't even, can't even get the equipment they they're, they're ordering. Right. It's uh it could be a crazy thing. And I don't even know how much that Suez Canal thing is going to, going to impact things. Right. It, That's crazy. Uh, unbelievable how much, yeah, we just got a notice the other day from our leasing agent that the F-150s cancel it, or they're shutting down the plant of F-150s for a couple of weeks because they can't get the enough part. They're missing one part or something like that. It's just unbelievable how one part can totally slow a whole small city in Detroit for that type of thing. Well, that just-in-time model, right? It's everyone's, everyone's gone to this for the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, no inventory, really quick turnarounds and delays can just, they have such a ripple effect. I'm actually, uh, uh, I just noticed I got something today. It was, uh, I've got a wood burning pizza oven in my backyard. That's like a portable one mm-hmm. and called Uni. No, you know, they're not sponsoring um, the podcast in any way, but if, if you want to, we'll, we'll come back and cook, cook pizzas on the podcast grant. They, <laughs> um, but I guess their entire shipment to North America was on the ever given. Oh, you're kidding. And so they're just like, but they're holding that boat. They're holding that boat ransom until they get the penalties and fines paid. Yeah. So all these people, like they have just thousands of orders that Nothing are just not, do, not And I'm like, of course, not even just on a boat that was delayed on the boat that's that caused the problem. One company, <laughs> all their entire, their entire stock yeah. is in one place. And that's the problem as a small business owner, right? There's nothing you can, you couldn't have predicted that you can't do anything about it. It's just, you're at the mercy of some crazy thing that happens in the world that just seems to be one crazy thing after another. So. Yeah. But it'd be interesting to see if, and we're talking about virtual trade shows and product showcases and all these things is people are used to using the people they use in this industry, right? Like they have the, I've got my soil guy. I've got my, my concrete supplier, you know, my, my concrete brick supplier, 
but maybe you're going to have to start looking at the competitors mm -hmm. because you can't source it, which you yeah. need when you need it this year, right? So you, uh, it could actually be good for, for growth of the industry that way too. Like if you're a smaller supplier that, that does have some stock, you might have people come knocking at your door. Okay. So what's, what advice are you giving your members right now then for the, for the year ahead as far? Yeah. Just generally you're talking to members every day. What's, what's the advice you're giving them? Yeah. Uh, you know, we're at the point where I don't even hear from them anymore, Grant. Um, everyone's, everyone's too busy. Um, yeah. It's just, is obviously you'd be prepared, have those. We're doing a, a lot still on COVID um, preparation and just masks in the workplace and, and the rules around that so that people can function. And then, uh, sh you know, a lot of work on shoring up your HR, right. Having good culture, having a good, uh, a good relationship there. And then, and then being able to do the work, but we're hearing from contractors already is that like they're sold out for 2021. They, mm -hmm. They're fully booked. So, so just, it, that becomes, and then it becomes operational of just, yeah, just, just logistics of that. There, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is great, which is a, a pretty fabulous uh, situation for most people to be in. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, even here in Ontario, we don't want to really spout that because, you know, if you own a restaurant or a bunch of other industries right now, you know, you don't really want to say that, right? Like we have this problem that we're sold in, we're having logistical issues trying to get product, but when they're not, they don't even have a, anything to sell, right? Or can't sell it. So yeah, like it's. I've, I've, I've talked to so many members that have said, you know, they're involved in, in, you know, their chamber of commerce or whatever locally. And they're like, I'm embarrassed to go because we've had a great year mm -hmm. and we've had a, you know, early last year, they're going into this year, like we're, we're doing, we're having the best year in 60 years of the company. I can't even be prideful about it because I feel so bad for all these people that are, that are hurt so badly by this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was pretty impressed as Saskatchewan, Alberta. Um, we had no serious outbreaks all the last year. We're going into this year. So, we, you know, it's, it's employers took it seriously. Retailers did a really good job at managing all of that and dealing with all the rules and then and did well because of it. So good. We're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is WebROI, and we are delighted to introduce this great team to you. As a professional landscaping service, your business needs more than just a high volume of leads. You need high quality lead generation that will result in the type and size of projects that perfectly fit your expertise, and it needs to be profitable. Are you worried that you may not be generating enough sales or revenue to keep your seasonal staff year over year? Are you concerned that you're spending too much time working in the business to effectively work on the business? Are you frustrated with the lack of return on investment from your marketing efforts and the web marketing companies that are supposed to be delivering results? No business owner should have to worry about spending money and not getting results. Web ROI understands these frustrations and has a proven system and 15 years of experience working with landscape industry professionals, delivering positive return on investment and profitable results. If you need a partner who will understand your business and your target market, someone who will work closely with you and do all the coordination and heavy lifting for your online marketing, including website development and design, content writing, search engine optimization, email marketing, social media, paid search and display advertising, then WebRI is the digital marketing partner for you. 
Visit webroi.ca to schedule a call with the WebROI team today and learn how they can help grow your company and win the race online against your competitors. Visit webroi.ca today and win the race online. So kind of to turn it more personal away from the industry a little bit. So yeah. always like to get to know the executive directors. And so just kind of who or what are you currently learning from or about? Oh, a lot of work um, on early childhood education uh, stuff right now. Um, you know, my oldest is in grade one and uh, is just a bouncing off the walls kind of kid. Um, so we're trying to do a lot of work on doing that, on, you know, on just sort of like uh, getting him to focus and creating routine and, and doing all that fun stuff. Um, He's the cutest kid, by the way. Right? We follow you on social media. He's awesome. Yeah. I, I, don't, I look at him and go, man, how do you say no to that kid? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're all, my kids are also like vicious. Um, so it's, uh, you know, my wife got her hair done a few weeks ago and um, got a little color added to it. And, uh, she, and I was coaching him. When she comes home, you have to say something very nice about your mom's hair, <laughs> right? Like, you know, these are important lessons. Yeah. And... Uh, he's like, well, maybe you should go uh, to where mommy goes and you can get the gray out of your hair too. <laughs> no, don't say that. That's not what we want to tell mommy. <laughs> yeah, ouch, yeah, don't say that to mommy, but just like, ouch. Like, yeah. there's, I had no, there's no, there's no chill uh, when it comes to my kids. They just uh, give it to me all the time. So, um, no, that's good. Uh, you know, and I, I love being in the kitchen. Uh, I'm... Uh, burger obsessed right now. I got a huge new cast iron skillet that I put out on the barbecue hmm. for okay. making. So get it like screaming hot and then smash burgers. Um, I got new spatulas that are like just thick, heavy things to be able to like get that a perfect crust on a burger. And yeah. I made, I started making my own potato rolls uh, from scratch and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And then now I can get my wood, wood fired pizza oven out. I'm an, I'm uh, I'm quite excited yeah. coming into summer that i get to to make pizzas and the, the this is the the pizza ovens do the uh you cook a pizza in 60 to 90 seconds that fast i think you know they get up to like 950 oh, okay. degrees yeah. fahrenheit and so you just they cook so fast and they're just like great yeah uh, i just wish we were out of covid and we could entertain and yeah you could share that with someone right that's the yeah. experience behind it yeah at least we can sit out on the deck and and enjoy it all out there, right? Like mm -hmm. that's, and isn't that the beauty of what our industry does too? Yep. Is through this pandemic, is that's what people have connected with is like outdoors, outside is so important mm -hmm. to be able to enjoy that space. So people yep. are spending money, which is great. Okay. So uh, what about professionally then? Obviously you've never, none of the executive directors have ever gone through this before, but how are you keeping up on this? How are you staying ahead? How are you being the cheerleader? Um, of the organization like how are you doing that let's say my bar is really well stocked okay <laughs> <laughs> oh that, you don't mean dealing with it that way okay, okay. Um, <laughs> i'm kidding the um somewhat um the you know our our network of executive directors across north america is excellent including the canadian all the canadian ones um you know our friends tony and and victor uh in milton um and then 
the new deputy executive director of at landscape Ontario, Joe uh, is amazing. Joe was, um, uh, Joe Salemi was best man at my wedding. Um, we go way back. Um, and, um, and so having that network of people going through this together and not knowing the answer um, is, is important. Um, but we started really early in the pandemic. We started uh, through a group called the Nursery Landscape Association Executives, NLAE. Uh, they usually hold an annual conference about this time of year, mid to, mid to late April uh, every year. Um, and it was supposed to be in Chicago last year. We canceled that. But we started weekly calls with that group. And so we were dealing with, you know, the shutdown order in Illinois or Michigan and learning uh, from that and sharing with each other. So a lot of the stuff, um, all of us used as a, uh, from an association side, a lot of the letters and content we were doing to argue our case as an industry mm-hmm. was all, all came collaboratively through this group of about 40 um, associations across North America. But for most of the year, we met every Friday. Yeah. Um, as a group and it, amazing what that to other people just being beaten down by this and being kind of, kind of lost. Um, it really helped bring everything back. And then some of those people have just been, are just great friends. And so that, that really helped. Um, but it also allowed us to benchmark things like our events so that we were able to, to learn what, what landscape Ontario is doing, but also learn what the American Hort is doing um, and then adapt yeah. And then vice versa. We shared a ton of, you know, we did a full, as an example of Grant, we did a full um, technology scan of all the platforms we could use to do it. Mm-hmm. I have, I probably shared that with a dozen friendly associations across North America and just said, like, we've done our research. We have our notes and, and yeah. our, our decision package. Um, you guys don't want to recreate it? Sure. Have mine. Here's what like, we can. And that, you know, I, the the giving nature of our industry reflects in the the executives that run the associations too. Yeah, like they're all connected and 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 completely willing to give of themselves. And I, I think that's been the most helpful uh, part of it all. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's great that you're able to do that. So, um, so in your role, it's been well, it's been tough for anyone who's leading an organization. Doesn't matter if it's a small business or a landscape association. Um, you know, being in charge has created like major, you have to make major decisions this year, like canceling events or going virtual. So how have you relaxed? How have you recharged throughout the year? Uh, work in the garden <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, was good. Um, I was actually, I was, uh, I was joking. I did a bunch of um, carpentry work outside last year, um, but I bought all my lumber really early in the pandemic and then just stored it in the garage until I had time to get to it. Yeah. And then lumber prices right across the country, right. have gone so crazy. Been retired um, off that load of lumber now. I know. I'm surprised it didn't get broken into. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is, uh, you know, spending time with kids. I did, I joke about the bar, but I did, um, I did get into uh, like cocktail making through the pandemic. Um, you know what, that's one thing we did as a staff, probably until late fall last year um, for, so for the first seven or eight months and then people's lives just got sort of busy, um, I think. And we, um, but every Friday afternoon we had a happy hour with all the staff on zoom and everyone just got to, to do that. But I got like, I, I bought a lot of bar 
paraphernalia and funny uh, ingredients and started making exotic uh, kind of cocktails. And again, I don't know why, because it was just for my wife and I. Yeah. Um, maybe that will um, translate well when we can when we can actually host host people at our home again, right? Like that's um, the funny part. The, and then fall of 2019, we did we finished a really big kitchen reno. Okay. Um, and then so and then and then it got into winter and all these things and the, the, you know we we hadn't even had it for six months and we can't even have anybody over to it, um, and and host these nice dinner parties and cocktail parties do whatever, um, and as always I I'm a big uh, you know after the kids go to bed uh, I I try to you know get an hour into uh, whatever video game I'm playing at the time just something to mindlessly space out to. But the, and there's just such good, and I'm so far behind on stuff. I I'm playing stuff three years old, and it's just as exciting as yeah as anything else. Um, so what's one book um that has impacted your life? They can share with the audience. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, there's so many books. I mean, it could we we could get into it, but it's um, uh, and I was actually in like an English uh literature major in university for a short time, um. Uh, before I switched to to communications and became and did film studies and I, I did a lot of filmmaking courses, so pretty interrelated. Um, and I, I I I always joke, Lord of the Rings was like the thing at nine or ten years old that brought me back into wanting to read. Um, but the the book that I've had professionally is is impacted a lot the last couple of years um, is there's a great book out there called Radical Candor. Hmm. And who's that? Book? Uh, now you're going to put me on the spot. Kim Scott huh. is her name, but she used to work at uh, Google and Microsoft and Apple. Um, but the the subtitle of the book is Be a Kick-Ass Leader Without Losing Your Empathy. Hmm, that's awesome. Uh, and I actually think it, you know, a lot of it applies uh, right through the pandemic, right? Is that is and more than ever, you've had to be an empathetic leader. Yes. Because people are going through mm-hmm. who knows what. Um, you know, kids at home, um, having their husband in the other room, uh, making too much noise. Um, all of those things are going on, but you still have to, you know, lead and work and, and there's still goals to hit, but you've, you've got to understand people are, lots of people are dealing with this not so well, like mm-hmm. mental health wise, physical health wise. Um, so the, the, um, you know, it's a, it's just a great, great, great book, um, on, on, you know, being, it, it goes back to some of those things about, you know, being tough on the, the problem, not on the person. Yeah. Uh, so kicking some butt and having goals, but it doesn't, you don't have to be a jerk yeah. to do it. Yeah. Empathy goes a long way right now. Right. So yeah. it's just crazy. I think that's the, I think that's the surprising thing with COVID I've lurked is that some people, if you were to pick a person and say, this is what they would go through. Some people on one end of the pandemic, as if it doesn't exist, don't, follow the rules you have other people that are just on the far end of it like a total rule follower you know and just it's just crazy it's like wow i wouldn't have pictured you that way not that it's wrong it's just it's just i wouldn't have envisioned that person being that you know left wing or right wing however you want to say it so just eye opener for to get to know people a bit differently yeah it 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 does show off a bit of the some you know what people are truly about Mm -hmm. Right, like you, it's it's easy to say, "Oh, we care for everybody," when there's nothing going wrong. 
Yeah. But when when we're in the middle of a pandemic, you really see who not just says they care, but actually, you know, walks the walks the walk. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's one habit um, that you maybe currently have or have picked up that has affected your personal or business life? It's a really good one. Um, I think, uh, you know, obviously active, like listening, you know, I know it seems buzzy, like a buzzword, but that, that active listening, um, I think after 20 years in the industry, a lot of it, what we hear is, is listening to problems um, that our members are facing um, and, and, and then compiling that. Right. Um, but I think the other habit I have is, and it's probably always been around um, is a natural curiosity for things of, of wanting to learn more about everything. So who would have thought that an, you know, executive director of a landscape association would have to become a public health pandemic expert. Uh, expert. Um, because real, if you think back a year ago is we were, re, we were at the cutting edge of having to translate all of this public health news to our members because it was changing daily or yeah. multiple times a day. And our, and the average person's going, I can't keep up with this. And you had to, we had to be this conduit. And I never thought I would learn as much about, uh, about you know, virology and disease control, uh, as I did, mm-hmm. um, through this thing, but it was, a but it wasn't laborious because I was just curious. And I yeah. think that, you know, I think it's a habit that serves you well in life. When you stop caring about why, when you stop um, looking behind that stuff, then we, then you lose a bit of that passion. But if you're, if your passion is always just like, I want to learn, then wherever that passion, wherever, whatever the topic is, you're still passionate about. Uh, it's not just to a single topic. Yeah. You're passionate about learning a bit about anything. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good. Um, what's one thing you're currently working on to improve your professional business life? Uh, time management's a, a big thing. Um, uh, and just trying to keep up on things. I just, you know, obviously the lack of meetings means so much more, so many more zooms, so many more of these things. Uh, and it's easy for you to look at the end of the week and half your life's been spent in a zoom meeting or a team's meeting or a Google hangouts, um, and, and hard to carve out that time. Mm. Which for uh, me is very, it's not as um, energizing. It's more draining, right? Like I've had tons of meetings before, but having a face-to-face meeting typically for me energizes me, right? I feel like, oh, that was really good. And I get excited, but just, yeah, it just, it seems to be, it doesn't do that to me. I'm not sure if that does it to you, but. No, I agree hundred percent. It's not, you know, and that I work very hard to try to be as engaged as possible because it'd be easy to do Zoom meetings and just sort of turn off yeah, uh, and do something else. Um, but if you're engaged, then you have really good engaging meetings. Mm-hmm. But obviously when they get over 20 people, 30 people, they get hard. And so that's what we've tried to do with our events too, is try to make them engaging instead of just sit back and watch mm-hmm. because otherwise it becomes tedious. But I think everyone's kind of done with Zoom fatigue. Yeah. Like there's a, everyone's done with that. So my, you know, I'd say one of the funny predictions I have, backtracking on the question, I think when we can have events again, there is going to be such an emphasis on the social Aspect. side of our industry. Mm-hmm. That that's what everyone, like they were coming because they get credits for their pesticide applicator or for this or that. Um, but what we we always knew was it was about, I wanted to have the meeting after the meeting in the bar 
for sure with all of these people that I only see a few times a year that are my competitors, but also my peers. Uh, and we're going to have to like a little less time on the education side and push. Okay. We got to carve out more, like maybe lunch breaks become an hour and a half instead of an, instead of half an hour yeah. because people just want to yeah. catch up and see what's going on and, 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 yeah. and talk about their business and talk about those problems. But then you just, they don't come out in a phone call. They, they only come out when you're, you're face to face. Yeah. So before I ask you the last question, which is where you're thankful for, what uh so give us a plug for um upcoming events you guys have going on and uh kind of what's new rolling down the pipeline for you sure um we actually just finished sort of all of our spring events um we did a webinar wednesday um was our thing this uh this march so we had we you know this lovely march we had five five wednesdays this march um so we were able to do a series of five um sessions and concluded last week with our awards. And and um, uh, we have an annual general meeting tomorrow, which probably you're not gonna air this in time for that. Uh, but I, I think the big thing we have coming and it's a apropos day is because I believe it's the three year anniversary today that they were recording of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. Um, three and so three years. Like guess. huh? Yeah, how t- like, I, but we also missed a year, right? Like yeah, we everybody. did miss a year, yeah. And so one of the things we missed last year was we were we had planned on on doing a community garden project um, that's been in the work for a couple, for for two and a half years, and then we we missed the build last year due to COVID, but we're gonna go ahead with it this year as we're building a a community garden at the Humboldt Hospital as a, a remembrance of the team, yep. but also as a a place for anybody using that hospital to come and heal um, and come and connect and, and do those things that our industry does. And so that's a, um, you know, there'll be uh, and maybe I can send you a link grant, but the um, we're working with the green cities foundation and Scott's Canada and communities in bloom and landscape Alberta, and landscape Saskatchewan. Uh, it's a, it's a big collective project, but we we're, we're going to be building this $300,000 garden project outside of the a wing of the hospital. Um, and so if, if people are looking to volunteer, if you're from the prairies and want to come out, you can get in contact with us and we'd love to have people involved. Yeah. Um, and if you just, if you were as moved by it as a lot of people were um, about that tragedy, then um, you can also give, you know, fund all those little things that we, that come up when you're building a project, right? We can get the, the sod donated and the trees donated, but there's always a, Okay. There's always things okay. that we'll need to buy with cash and um, and hopefully make this a, a a big thing. And it was actually very interesting. Grant is when that when the project came up, we had a conversation at the board with our board of directors, and three out of eight of our board of directors had played in the same league when oh. they were younger. Yeah, like so just the the the, the that, how connected those things were, right? Yeah. Like the and they were like, we have all spent time on those buses mm-hmm. and. It was crazy even here in Ontario like it was amazing how many hockey sticks were outside of people's homes like even our own my own son right who plays in a league he I think we had the hockey stick out for a month right so it was a, it was amazing such a story affected all of Canada right so on a tragedy yeah. but rock, so it's a I mean it's an industry just wanted to give back so we, we did a design competition with the landscape design students at the, the horticultural college old college yeah. um, out here uh, and the committee picked a design and then 
uh, we had working drawings built and we were all ready to go with donations and volunteering. And then COVID hit last year and we, the brakes kind of slammed on everything, yeah. but we're, we're, I think we're set to go this year. Everyone last year, it was funny because nobody knew how work was going to happen through mm -hmm. the pandemic. I think now every contractor now knows how to, to yeah. deal with a work site and, yeah. uh, and do that thing. So I think we're really, really excited about that, that we'll be able to, to finally build this vision and, 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 and when are you thinking back. during the summer, like July, August sometime, or? Yeah, I think that the, there's some excavation that's going to start in early June, maybe, mm -hmm. after we get over like that first startup and the really busy push. And yeah. then uh, uh, and then hopefully we'll be doing a final planting by September kind of thing. Good. So it'll, there's phases to it and we're, we're pushing ahead, but it's a hopefully beautiful get back. And then we talked about, we were joking earlier about the cost of lumber, like, you know, we're going to have to adapt to that because there was some gazebos um, to be built. Um, so we might be looking for new materials, new materials or new, or, or converting the gazebo to a pergola uh, so that we don't have to use quite, yeah, quite as much lumber. Adapt. Yeah. That's, but that's, isn't that our industry? Yeah, it is totally our industry, right? If, yeah. So, and then what's, uh, what are one, two things you're thankful for right now? Yeah. I, uh, my family is, is, is number one, the, our members, I'm always blown away about how how much they give to projects like Humboldt, but also through the through this process is, you know, I know I know some other association execs took some heat for having a, a pretty protective position as an association mm -hmm. uh, early in the pandemic, uh, and just being about protecting your employees. I never once had a had a negative comment from one of our members. They were always about what do we do to keep our people safe. Yeah. And that's what's most important. And then, uh, and then they did well. And then they did well because of it. But I was, I was uh, the funny part is when the pandemic hit last year, uh, I was, um, uh, I had a really severe case of bronchitis that lasted for like six weeks. Could barely talk. Um, while you're communicating every day. <laughs> yeah, on all these phone calls, and I have to pause the phone call to like, and, and having these uh, these coughing fits and everything else. Um, and everyone's just like, are you sure you don't have COVID? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was a, you know, it, it, we were working more than ever during those, those first, you know, six weeks of, of the pandemic last year. Um, and with the kids at home, but I was working 90 hour weeks. Like it was just crazy mm -hmm. um, and sick as a dog. And, but the, every conversation with a member was nothing but positive, thankful, Good things and i'm thankful that they were so thankful like they yeah, no, recognized what we were doing was, right? so. was was welcome because we were all kind of burnt out after six or eight weeks but mm -hmm. it was the members being so thankful for the work we'd done yeah that yeah. just make it okay we're doing yeah we're doing some good work here that's because sometimes you you know in the association world you do good work uh and it it you know when i hear from people is when when something goes wrong yeah the people call and complain because a, a shipment stuck at the border or they can't get their foreign workers in or, or they can't hire anybody or, you know, there's always some new bylaw in some municipality. They only call when they got a problem. Yeah. Joel, um, I want you to solve this for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and solve it. And that's my job. Yeah. Like, which I like, and I really love and that, and that's okay. Um, but the only time I hear you hear from people is when they, they have a problem. Mm -hmm. And my phone rang off the hook last spring with people just wanting to say, thank you. That's amazing. And it just really like, wow, I work for 
Mm-hmm. I work for great folks. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the industry in a whole, right? That's why I love yeah. the industry so much. And lots of other industries were not. No. And, and not a lot of industries were out there, right? Like there wasn't a lot of my brother-in-law. He works in the Home Builders Association and they were doing anything for him, right? Like there was nothing. Like no communication, yeah. no nothing. No like here's COVID stuff you should be able to do. Here's how you keep your staff safe. And And I think us being able to belong to an association locally and on a CNLA. And then you even said like earlier in the podcast, you had the association, other executive directors that you could feed off of, right. And get information from just that works all the way down to local members. That's amazing. Yeah. And some of those guys in some States where it's, where obviously, you know, the pandemic responses is even more politicized. Some of those people like had members really angry at them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm hearing stories of that and expecting the other shoe to drop and then to only have such, such gratefulness yeah. on the end of, other end of the phone or the, other, the email was magic for, for me, but all, like for the whole team yeah. of just knowing like, there's a re- like, we're not just working in a, in a vacuum here for no reason. We're working for really great people that care about their people. Yeah. And that's, it really shows the the trend of this. So we, um, yeah, I'm very thankful for where I work. Um, and then for my, yeah, that, you know, having my family all around me is amazing and, and that everyone's been healthy. Like I've, you can't ask for more than that through this. Yeah. Good. Well, Joel, thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, I learned a bunch of, about you and about your role out there. And again, thank you for, taking the time to uh, answer our questions today and learn a little bit about yourself and a little bit about more about landscape Alberta and landscape Saskatchewan. So uh, we appreciate it and uh, have a great day. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nextra Presents. If you enjoyed the episode, would you please take the time to leave a five-star rating and review the podcast? And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. If you want to contact us, please visit our website at nextraconsulting.ca. Now, before we go, there's been a change of plans we need to tell you about. In our last episode, we announced that we're doing our ICE event on Liquid Brine again this year. Due to the recent announcement by the Ontario government regarding COVID restrictions and our determination to have this event in person, we have changed the date to Tuesday, August 10th. All the other details remain the same and can be found at nextraconsulting.ca slash ICE. We will still be limiting the number of people, so please register soon. It was a great event last year with lots of information and resources, interaction with other contractors and vendors, and some great food. We promise you won't be disappointed. Register today for the morning or afternoon session at nextraconsulting.ca slash ICE. We are excited to see you in person in August. Mm -hmm.